This is, uh, Jesus has been baptized. So this is uh, chapter three, he's baptized. And then immediately out of baptism, uh, this text uh, kicks in. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Everybody shout, very hungry. God, would you meet us today and do something unique and special as we gather around your word? And while we're gathered here, we remember and pray for those uh, who uh, lost their lives, uh, over 100 people in the Ethiopian uh, airline crash early this morning. Eight Americans were there, a part of that. And we pray for all those families. Oh, God, would you speak peace in the midst of their grief? Would you please? Would you just be in the details of that horrendous loss? We're thinking about our own pastor, uh, Dan Monroe and his family, who's uh, in South Africa today celebrating his 70th birthday. Uh, would you keep him safe and bring him back to us in one piece? In Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen. amen. Come on, let's give God one more hand praise just before we... Uh, all right, all right, grab a seat. In many ways, this is a simple message today, and it really it's about just getting us ready to participate as we prepare for Easter over the course of the next 40 days in this thing that we call prayer and fasting. And I want to challenge all of us to make a commitment and engage. Everybody shout, engage. Engage. So the text concludes at the end of verse 2 that Jesus, after fasting for 40 days, after going without food for 40 days in the Judean wilderness, He's very hungry. Everybody shout, very hungry. Very hungry. Patrick Luciani tells us that one of the attributes for being what he calls an ideal team player in his book, The Ideal Team Player, one of the essential attributes is hunger. When he talks about hunger, he's talking about uh, motivation, a desire that causes an individual to be the first to raise her or his hand when a new project, a new task is put before the company, she or he is the first to say, I'll take it on. When he talks about hunger, he's talking about the individual who uh, uh, is never satisfied, is always ready to learn something new, to develop his or her life in a, yet in a brand new way. When he talks about hunger, he talks about that person who is constantly thinking about what's the next step. Uh, in my career? What is the next opportunity for me to develop myself? Everybody shout hunger. Hunger. But he also points out that there are some challenges to being hungry, that not all types of hunger are good. He points out, for example, that uh, the type of hunger that leads to what Paul calls selfish ambition. The kind of hunger that will cause you to do anything to get to the next level, to step on anybody to get to the next level, that's, that's, that's a destructive hunger. And he points out that there is a kind of hunger that can totally consume our lives. It's, 
It's, it's, it's often seen when work becomes uh, uh, equal to our identity. And that we're working hours and days that throw our lives completely out of balance. We're missing important dates with our kids, important moments with our significant others or spouses or folk that we're dating or our parents. It's our lives are completely out of balance. That's a kind of destructive hunger. Well, as I think about Patrick's writing here, it, it suggests then that for those of us who are going to participate in 40 days of praying and fasting starting this coming Wednesday, that, that there is really a practical insight to why we ought to fast as we pray. And here's the practical insight. We all should be asking the question periodically in our lives, what is it that I'm most hungry for? What is it that drives me and motivates me? What what am I really hungry for? Ask the person next to you, what you really hungry for? What you really hungry for? Huh? Yesterday I was tucked away in the office as I usually am around on Saturday evenings around 6.30 and I was counting down the days. I know I'm about to go on this fast. So I uh, pulled out DoorDash and got in contact with uh, five guys and they brought me a double-decker cheeseburger with fries. Come on now. Vanilla shake way up here with a cherry into it. Come But even as I think about that, it's a legitimate question for me to ask, now what was I really hungry for? What drives, drives us? Let me suggest that there are three fundamental things that all of us at various seasons in our lives find ourselves hungry for. The first is to be known. Everybody shout, to be known. To be known, to be known deeply by another. That, that there's this desire that somebody else knows me. The second is to be connected. Everybody shout, to be connected. To be connected, that's the importance of community. That's the importance of, of family. That, 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 that we all are shaped in a certain way that, that, that we long to be connected. In that context, let me read a... A, a little insight here offered by a lady by the name of uh, Tia Stevens. And she is uh, she's a mom and, and a wife. And she also uh, has a ministry that tries to help women who have been wounded by their father to relocate their identity in God's love as opposed to leaving it in the woundedness that occurred with their father. It's an amazing ministry that she has. And part of that, she has a blog. I want to read something that she wrote. And I want you to think about what it means to want to be known. Everybody shout, to be known. That's what she writes. Nervous, uneasy, and insecure, I took a risk. With absolutely no idea how things would turn out, 
I asked my fellow church member a question I hope would lead to a conversation about race. It was an awkward subject matter given the fact that she was a white woman in her late 20s and I'm a black woman inching closer to my 40s by the second. But I wanted to know her perspective and if I'm honest, I wanted to know if it was possible for a black and white woman to have an honest conversation about race. Without a smooth transition, I, I blurted out, uh, did you hear about the movie Black Panther? No, she responded. I knew no was a possibility, though I had been anticipating a yes. The movie was the first of its kind with an almost all-black cast because representation matters. I, along with many other people of color, had been celebrating the historic movie weeks prior to the release date. I wondered whether this excitement resonated with the white community, specifically those I knew and worshipped with. I did my best to describe the movie to her, and when we parted ways, I didn't think about our conversation until a week later when I received an unexpected text message. Just saw Black Panther, it read. I was surprised, shocked even. I hadn't anticipated that my question would result in a symbolic gesture of sorts, one that communicated the message, I want to know you. She had leaned into my world a bit, and though it was a small act, it felt much like the first dab of healing balm placed on a wound. I'd been hurt before in my interactions with white women, experiences that left me skeptical and scarred, I had learned difficult lessons about vulnerability and rejection from these incidents, and I purposed never to let my guard down again so I couldn't be hurt. But her text message softened me. When we met again, I took another step into risking vulnerability. Did you see the movie because of me, I asked? Yes, she responded. And Tia goes on to talk about how they sat in a Starbucks amidst a rainy day talking for hours about race and the movie, and before she knew it, they were crying with one another in the Starbucks. She ends her writing this way. As I drove home that day, I reflected on my experience and thought about all the places I saw God in my interactions with her. I saw God in the initial question. I saw God in a text message, in a subsequent conversation. I reflected on the healing I felt in my soul and decided that I'll be willing to do it again. I'll be willing to take the risk to be vulnerable without knowing how someone might respond because the answer just might be yes. And yes means the hope of being known. Everybody shout to be known. deep craving that we have to be known by others. To be connected to others. Mother Teresa points out that another deep craving that we have as human beings is to be loved. Everybody shout, to be loved. We all want to be known. We all want to be connected. And we all want to be loved. Here's how Mother Teresa talks about it. It's two quick quotes from her. Even the rich are hungry for love, she says, for being cared for, for being wanted, for having someone to call their own. See the love and connection craving there? And then she writes again, 
The poverty in the West is a different kind of poverty. It's not only a poverty of loneliness, that's disconnection, but also of spirituality. There's a hunger for love as there is a hunger for God. Here's the suggestion that Mother Teresa is making and is backed up by the psalmist and scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelation. The suggestion that she's making is that all of us have a deep need to be known. We all have a deep need uh, to be connected. We all have a deep need to be truly loved. And I would argue loved unconditionally. <clears throat> and the reality of these three deep needs points us Pass five guys and a double cheeseburger. The reality of these deep needs points us past the latest date that you might have had last night or last evening. It points us past that purse that we see in the store, that suit that we, we want to drive. It points us past the amount of money that we have in the bank. It, 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 it points us past... Even the joy that our children bring, our grandchildren brings to us. It points us ultimately to God. We crave God. We crave to be known by the eternal. We crave to be connected through the, to the eternal. And we crave to be unconditionally loved. Now, let me just say this. If you get your sequence right, you'll be all right. Uh, it, it, uh, for, for many of us, we look to be loved and connected and known first by people. And we, we go to things and we, we go to other folk judgment, all of that. And then we end up with God. But what we have to do is switch the priority. We should first, everybody shout first. First, you know, this is what my, my wife has been working me on me and my daughter for the last several months. And she says she's trying to get us to eat healthier. And so, so you know, when we sit down to eat uh, or when we get ready to go to movies, I take my daughter to movies every other week of what if there's a movie come out. And before we get ready to go to movies... And she treats me like my 14, I got a 14-year-old daughter, and she, she, I guess if she was here, she'd say, I have two kids. I don't know what she would say, but maybe, maybe, but, but she says, before you go, eat some broccoli. Oh, eat some, some vegetables, eat some salad. Come on, come on. And she insists. Why? Because she knows that when we get to the movie theater, come on now. There's some popcorn and some icy and some candy. Come on, all that stuff, right? And, 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 and we, we think we're hungry, y'all, so, so we can't wait. But she said, no, 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 let me fill you up on the healthy stuff. So when you get to the theater, come on now, uh, 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 you can bypass some of the unhealthy stuff because you've already been made full with some broccoli. Y'all, God's love is broccoli. God's grace, come on now, is the vegetables. God's forgiveness, God's, God's knowingness. That's what we crave. Get the sequence right. The next 40 days gives us an opportunity 
to get the sequence right. Tell the person next to you, get the sequence right. Get the sequence right. Now, this is backed up from Scripture that ultimately we crave God. And oh, how wonderful it is when, when, when it's, it's uncovered. Uh, uh, the psalmist in Psalm 63 shares this. He says, oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land. That's what he talks. And then, and then, and then, and then here's the experience that, uh, where there's no water. And then here's the experience that you want to have as you move through the 40 days, as you open up your life. Come on now. He says, I've seen you in the sanctuary and gazed upon your power and your glory. What he's saying is that, that, that as I've opened up my heart and opened up my eyes, and as I've started to look for you in my life, I, I've seen the beauty of the gifts of grace that you have poured into my life. And, and as I've seen your power and glory, your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. Come on, tell the person next to you, get the sequence right. Then comes the psalm, the psalms 42. I I love this. See, a lot of us, we're we're going to the refrigerator or we're going to the mall. But the psalm that really captures what what we really want. As the deer longs for streams of water, so long for, I long for you, O oh God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? That's what's pulling us into the next 40 days of praying and fasting. Because we are uncovering what we're longing for. Oh, and then Jesus, he, he puts it where we can get it. He makes it plain. He says in chapter 6, verse 35, this is what he says. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. He's talking to anybody who really knows what you're really hungry for. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. What Jesus is saying that is that in him God has become concrete accessible. That, that in Jesus, one can go to God and be known, be connected, be loved. I have a dear friend, Pastor John Henneman, who uh, the other day we were talking about the meaning of Easter. And uh, he came up with a definition for reconciliation, you know, because Scripture tells us that God was in Jesus reconciling the world to himself, reconciling us. Everybody shout, reconcile. Submission. And uh, he came up with this. He, his, his, his definition for what, what, what it means for Jesus to reconcile us to God through his death on the cross and his life. He says, reconciliation is overcoming that which disconnects us. That's what Jesus does. He gives us the means to overcome that which disconnects us from God, to overcome our own sinfulness and our own brokenness. He gives us the means to overcome that which disconnects us from each other. He gives us the means to overcome that which disconnects us from God's divine purpose for our living. 
He reconciles. Everybody shout reconciles. Jesus says, if anybody be hungry, I am the bread of life. Come to me, you will hunger no more. St. Augustine uh, wrote it, these words. I think he wonderfully captures the point I'm trying to make. It's a prayer that he says. He says, uh, thou, o Lord, has made us for yourself. And our heart will be restless until it finds rest in you. Wow. What are you really hungry for? The fasting is the moment that we kind of stay life. Because food has a way of dulling what we're really hungry for. Facebook, Twitter has a way of really of dulling what we're really hungry for. TV from 6 o'clock to 12 midnight has a way of dulling what we're really hungry for. And we just give up that stuff to ask the question, what am I really hungry for? Now let me share with you a little insight. The text says, And Jesus was very hungry. Everybody shout, very hungry. Jesus was very hungry. Jesus was very hungry. Of course, this makes sense to us, right? He's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and and he hasn't eaten anything, according to the text, verse 2. And and he's being tempted all along the process. Luke makes it clear. He's he's being tempted and tested and, and all along. And then when he comes to the end of that period, the text says he's He's very hungry. The Greek actually translates better. He's famished. He's, he's starved. And so when we think about Jesus in his, who is fully human, Jesus is reminding us in this time of fasting and prayer that, uh, uh, that it, is a, it is appropriate for us to put ourselves in a position that what we're really hungry for surfaces. But then, of course, you know that Jesus is not just fully human. Jesus is also fully God. And the text says he's really hungry. Everybody shout, really hungry. And here's what I think is just worth your showing up for church. This is why you got up early this morning, just, just to get this one insight. Come on, come on. Elbow the next person. Not too hard, not too hard, but just a little bit. A little bit. Just say, just say, listen up, listen up. Tell them, listen up. Listen to this. Here it is. Jesus, who is fully God, reminds us that God is hungry too. That God craves also to be known by you. That God craves also to be connected to you. That God, that God craves also to love you and to be loved by you, not just us, but you, the teenager, you, the elderly lady, you, the poor, you, you, as you sit in your seat, God craves you. 
Why else would Jesus come and die a horrendous death on Calvary's cross other than to break it open so that God would have the ability to be known to you, connected to you, loved by and love you. You know, so often in seasons of prayer and fasting, we, uh, we, we, we feel like I've got to find God. Well, the theological teaching is really that in Jesus, God comes looking for us. But it reminds me of when my kids were young. And I'm thinking in particularly of my daughter at this moment when she was about four or five years old. And I did the same with Jonathan. And we lived in, on Woodbine Street and, and we'd play hide and seek. And uh, I'd run up the stairs, go into my bedroom and get in the closet and close the door. And she'd come into the closet looking, Daddy! Daddy! And she'd come into the bedroom and my wife would be there. She said, you've seen Daddy? And my wife would basically indicate that she hadn't seen me. And she said, I know you're around here somewhere. And then she'll run out. I can hear her feet running, through the, running down the stairs. Daddy! When she gets down the stairs, I'd come out of the closet and I'd hit on the wall, and she'd hear it. She'd run back up the stairs, and I'd go back in the closet. She'd come back. She'd run back in the bedroom. She'd say, Mommy, did you see Daddy? She said, Mama would indicate. She said, He's got to be. I heard him. I heard him. And then she gets ready. I can tell she's about to leave the room. And when she's getting, I'm in the closet, the door closed. I hit on the door. She stops. She said, Daddy, I hear it. Daddy. And I make another little noise. As he turns, she looks at the closet door. She sleeps to the closet door. And as she opens, as she opens the closet door, I go, wow. And she goes, wow. And then I reach out and I grab her. And I come out and she's laughing and I'm laughing. And that is a wonderful picture of God who, who, who says, I want to be found by you. And Easter and 40 days of press is him knocking on the door. And it's calling us to say, have you seen God in my life anywhere? I know he's somewhere in my life. And as you open up, God is just waiting till you get close enough so that he can reach out and overshadow you with an awareness of his love for you, his grace. That's what the psalmist means when he says, I saw you in the sanctuary, your beauty, and it was better than life itself. And he breaks out into praise. God told me to tell you today, he wants you to find him. He's knocking on the door. Here's where I want to end. As we think about this thing. Two things. So the next 40 days, it's not for the super holy. If you're super holy, you can do it, but that's not the cut off. 
if not for the high and mighty and righteous, if that's you, you can participate. But God wants you. If you're breathing, you're on the planet, there's blood running, he wants you to look for him. He's going to help you find him. But you got to slow life down a little bit. You got to create some space. So we begin with, everybody shout fasting. Fasting, that's the context. That's the context. And there's a couple of things you need to know in order to be able to fast. So we, basically we talk about fasting food, but here you, you can fast anything. But, 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 but let's say you don't, maybe you're not, your health won't allow you to fast food. Maybe there's some other things. There's just a couple of things you need to know. You pick whatever you want. As long as it's something that you do every day. Shout every day. And it's something that you love. Come on, shout love. See, Starbucks coffee. Something that you love. That, you know, your news shows. Something that you don't miss every night. Facebook. Something that you love. Come on now. Instagram. You, you got a picture per night. Just something that you do every, what, is, what is it? What is it? And, and, and here's some things. Remember, just drop that list on him. We'll take you through it real quick. First, everybody shout awareness. Fasting is designed to make you aware, uh, first and foremost, of the, of, of, of the deep hunger we have for God. So your focus is not on what you're giving up. Do you know that it's possible to have a fast that's not a Christian fast? There are all kinds of fasts. There's fast to lose weight. Y'all can go buy it. There's fast to, to get your body, you know, uh, uh, what they call it, uh, uh, healthier. There's just something about getting all the stuff out. What is a detox? That's what I'm looking for. They got detox fast. But what makes a Christian fast is that it is a fast that is focused on your recognizing your deep hunger for God and is accompanied by prayer. It is a fast that when you give up something, it opens up space. So you're not focusing on what you gave up. You're focusing on that space. It's more time to pray. More time to seek and reflect on God in his word. I'll say, if you sign up today, I'm going to send you a scripture every day. And every time you feel the pain of hunger or the grand temptation of the social media or the headache produced by not drinking coffee, you're going to be reminded how hungry you are. To be known by God, to be loved, to be connected, and how hungry he is for the reverse. Aware. It's your context. Second, everybody shout reminder. Reminder. Reminder of our dependency on God. It's so easy to be seduced and thinking we're making life happen all by ourselves. No, baby. Even if you don't know God, God is active in sustaining your life. Shout concentration. It keeps us focused every day, the same pace. Keeps us focused on, on looking for God, talking to God, reflecting with God, discerning God's will. 
shall practice spirit-empowered self-control. The Holy Spirit is going to help you go the next 40 days without coffee. Isn't that amazing? Next 40 days. That's fasting. Shout fasting. That's the context. I want you to think about what you're going to give up. Something that happens every day and something that you love. And how you're going to replace that time between you and God reading scripture, prayer, reflecting. And then there's, uh, let, me, let me give you the context for it. Let me get that put up there real quickly. Matthew 6 or 16. It's context. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable. This evil, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth. <laughs> that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, come on, comb your hair, please. <laughs> Wash your face. Then no one will notice what you are fasting except your father. Now, let me put an asterisk here. The context of this passage is that in the day that Jesus was teaching, Religion and religiousity was a part of the culture. If you wanted to be seen as somebody special in the culture eyes, you'd publicly practice your religion, particularly in the Jewish context. So I want to put an answer here because that is not the case in Silicon Valley. So I just want you to know that if you, I still want you to comb your hair, God, I still want you to comb your hair. <laughs> He don't want you falling out your seat so that people ask, what's wrong with you? Oh, I'm so hungry. <laughs> but if it should come up normally, they tell you about the TV show, Graham, the program last night that they were watching, and they say, did you see it? And you actually didn't see it because you were fasting. That's appropriate. Just go ahead and say, no, I didn't see it. They're going to say, why not? I say, well, I'm fasting. What's that? They explain to them, I've created some time for the next 40 days just to get along with God. That's called witness. Come on, give God a hand praise. You're going to have a chance to shine some light. 